Everybody doing good? Well, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know me, I just want to welcome you to Connect. Happy New Year, everybody. Come on, give somebody a high five. Tell them Happy New Year. I don't know if you've done that already. To your right or to your left. Turn around. Come on, slap somebody. <laughs> there you go. 2015. Is that crazy? My goodness. I, I can remember when I used to watch Space 1999. You know what I mean? Anybody out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was a big deal. Now we're like 2015. Well, I want to uh, welcome you guys um, to, to church today, and I want to say a few things as we get going, because we got kind of a unique service. Uh, no surprise there if you're new to Connect. Um, we're just going to make this as real and relevant as we possibly can. Um, but a couple quick, quick things I want to say. Uh, one, as you get ready to start the new year, um, it's really important to kind of recalibrate. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to kind of, just like you set your clock periodically, sometimes you have to, you have to set your soul. And uh, what, what, what really happens a lot of times is people, they set goals. How many have already begun to set goals? Anybody setting goals? Okay. I highly recommend that. I, I, if I had the time, I'd have you all take out your phone and set an appointment right now to put aside some time to set goals. Here's what happens when you set goals. There's this natural default to the, the mental and the physical bucket. We all have buckets of our life that we invest in or don't invest in. We're either over-invested or we're deficit spent. You know what I mean? Somebody, some of us are, are drawing some blank checks you know, in certain buckets of our life, right? So when we set goals, there's this default we steer towards, let's say, the physical, because everybody's going to see that, you know, I put on 15 pounds. I was just on a cruise, by the way, Pray, just suffering for Jesus. I was in the Bahamas yesterday, if you can imagine that, <laughs> suffering for Jesus, right? My whole family, we saved up for a long time, had a Christmas vacation. I got in at 3.13 a.m., oh all right? So I'm either going to make no sense or it's going to be awesome, okay? One of those two things right now, because I am on fumes, baby, right now. All right, so I think I slept for an hour and a half. So um, anyway, when you're on a cruise, you know, you just, it's like 24-7 buffet. You know what I mean? It's dangerous. So everything in me wants to set goals towards the physical. You know what I mean? Like no eating for 21 days is my commitment, you know? Anyway, you have that with mental. You want to like feed your mind, get smarter at something, better at something, expose more to something. I want to strongly encourage you. I don't know if you're new here, you're listening online for the first time, like, Set the bucket, the spiritual bucket, because if you want to, a lot of times we want New Year's resolutions, but what I always say is God wants us to have a New Year revolution. That means the change lasts. It actually, it actually, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's never suspended. It's successive. It keeps on going and going and going, but the only change that really lasts are the ones that come from the inside out. Can I have some amens once in a while? Okay, so I want to encourage you to, to make commitments and goals in the spirit. See, there's a point to discipline. Spiritual disciplines are necessary. It's not just kumbaya, tra-la-la, you know what I mean? If it feels good, I do it in the spiritual side. No, the Bible says to study the word of God, meditate on it day and night, you know what I mean? Hide it in your heart. So, so in that bucket, I'm just going to give you some things, you know, it should, it should include, for example, reading your Bible every day. And when I say read, I mean like fresh bread, like go to it like you can't get through the day attitude. Set an appointment. In, this is what I do. I'm just telling you as your pastor. I have to do this because there's a default to these other things. There's always this gravitational pull. There's a war between 
The flesh and the spirit. There's a spirit man in you that says, I want to know God. I want to be close to God. I want to be intimate with God. There's a fleshly person that wants to be king of the hill and take over and rule and reign in your, in your, your life every single day. So you have to set that, set the tone and, and, and the discipline of, your, of every single day of your life. And sometimes that means make an appointment, just like you do to make an appointment to see a doctor, just like you make a date with your wife. If you don't, you're going to have problems soon enough. Whatever, you got to make an appointment with God every single day. Can I have an amen? So I would encourage you to do that early. I think it's the best time to do it. It's the most sacrificial time. That's why we encourage you to go on a 21-day fast. We are in a 21-day fast. If you didn't start, start today. Do it, do it, do it as long as you do it. If you don't, oh, well, I didn't start in the beginning, so forget it. What? You know what I mean? That's like saying, I, I, I didn't start my one-year Bible on January 1st, so I'm out till next year. Okay? <laughs> We're not getting the point. Jump in, all right? Jump in. If you don't know what fasting and prayer and fasting is all about, it's not just for the super Christians and all that. It's, it's a basic discipline of the Christian faith. We just bring it back, in particular, every single year, because we believe favor and blessing, as Vanessa was talking about, comes upon us when we consecrate the first part of our year to God. So we put God first in our finances, in our interests, in our relationships, in our schedule, and in our troubles first. Did you, see it? Did you catch all that? So in your schedule, first part of your year, I'm going I'm to make sure that I, I have a season of intensive prayer and fasting. That's when you kind of undernourish the mind and body and you overnourish your spirit. So one becomes stronger and king of the rest of your life. So prayer and fasting should be getting in the word every single day. How do you get in the word every single day? I don't know what to do. Where do I go? Go to our website. Just look at our one-year Bible. I was just doing it this morning, you know, at 6.07 a.m. Just doing the one-year Bible. Just seeing what it says in Genesis chapter 11 through 13, you know, studying the whole Tower of Babel experience and seeing what, uh, the whole story about Noah. Get into that. It's awesome. It's a one-year little devotional. If you, if you don't know what to do, go there every single day. It'll change your life. Another thing you do is be in church. Amen. You guys missed an opportunity, some of y'all. Be in church. This is a great time to set the habit. If you think it's just going to happen, it's not going to happen. Some people in America think that regular attendance in church means we go 12 times a year. I don't think so. That's not healthy, okay? You actually have to increase your frequency to, to encourage your faith. The Bible says we should meet more and more in Hebrews as the day, the day, that means capital D, before Christ's return approaches. So you got to set, just make an appointment for that. We wouldn't have gone on vacation last week if we didn't set a time aside for that to happen. It would never happen, I promise you. It's not going to happen for you to make this a part of your life if you don't make goals for that. Amen? Amen. Now, here's one more thing. Uh, the first part of every year, God, I ask God, you know, I, come almost, I, I almost have to have a pre-fast fast. I, I have to kind of have a vision before I communicate vision for the year. So this isn't necessarily the, the thrust of the year, but one of the things I was praying about a lot, and this happened on a Sunday night. You guys enjoying this so far? Yeah. For, for some of you new, you can see I talk really fast. So some of that's, some of that's accelerated, so I apologize. But, but we were in a Sunday night live service, and... And I just talked. I just opened up my heart and talked about some things related to why we continue to struggle with the same things over and over again. Why is it, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I know I'm going to heaven. I bought, you know, I have my fire insurance. I like going to church. I love the people. But, man, there's some things I just can't seem to get over. Addictions, you know, there can be mental addictions, physical addictions. There can be relational problems. There can be just, you know, I, sometimes the Bible refers to them as curses, just things I can't break free from. I don't feel free. And yet the Bible says, he who, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But a lot of Christians are not free. 
And yet believers sometimes don't believe they can actually be, let's just say, slaves to or bondage to or, or, or not free. Sometimes we have this misnomer that because we're Christ followers, that's not true. That's like saying, I, you know, uh, I can't get sick because I'm a Christian, yet snot's running down the middle of my face. I'm not sick. <sighs> yes, you are. Blow your nose, buddy. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we ignore these obvious signs, but we don't know what to do with them. So I think that sometimes as Christians, our influence is impaired by a lack of freedom. And so the series we're going to talk about next is called Under the Influence. What are these external forces, internal forces that are affecting us from being able to walk in freedom? You know how sometimes when people, they're, they're in their car and they're driving, but literally you can tell they're under the influence of something. Like, ever seen those cars where you're driving there on the road and the car's this way, but it's going forward? You know, it's all cockeyed. You want to say, dude, have you looked at the alignment of your car lately? You know, sometimes people are driving all over the road. Some people, sometimes you pull them over, you get them out, and they can't walk a straight line. Christians are like that. We're not literally having the impact and the influence that God wants us to because we're under the influence of something else. And, and, and I'm going to challenge you a little bit in your thinking because sometimes there's spiritual forces that are affecting our ability to live the abundant life, to live free in Christ. Amen? So that starts next week. I don't even know how long the series is going to go, but I did a message called Open Doors, and God said, hey, I want you to do that at Connect. And so I'm going to build up to that because uh, it'll blow some of you guys away. But I'm going to build up to it and just teach for a while. Amen? So that's what's coming up. Now I want to talk to you today about kind of a special service today where we're welcoming some new additions to kind of our, our team, our, our elder team. When I use the word elder today, I want you to think pastor, elder, pastor. They're kind of interchangeable in the Greek, and there's, I won't throw out some big words for you right now in the Greek because you'll be like, okay, yawn. And, uh, but uh, today we're going to witness the installation and anointing, let's say, of three new elders in our church, and I'm going to briefly teach on their role. Um, this may be somewhat unusual for you, but I think it'll be insightful on, kinda, on how the church is supposed to work. And how God set it up in the beginning and how far we've gotten away from it. You know, uh, you've, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard, um, how many have been in, in Connect for a year or more? Raise your hand, a year or more. Okay, so you probably had some exposure to the subject of the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's actually three kind of different lanes of the gifts. So this is kind of beginning intro, so don't worry. But you can get your worship guides out if you want to and take notes if you like to. I highly recommend that, especially in the new year, to start being note takers because note takers are history makers. Amen? So do something new. A new habit can produce a new character. All right, habits always precede character. Good habits precede good character. So um, one of the things that I just want to say is there's three different types of, of gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. There's the, the motivational gifts, the manifest gifts, and the ministry gifts. Now, the scriptures that relate to those things are like Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, I think verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So those different gifts, you've probably heard a little bit about some of those. If you've ever been to our growth track, you've gone to Discover, Discovery 301. We talk a little bit about that. Um, the, the, um, the ones that get the most kind of attention a lot of times are the, uh, the kind of the power gifts, the, 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 the manifested gifts. The, the, they're the ones that everybody looks at and wants to know a lot about those. So some of the gifts relate to like the plan of God, 
That's like the ministry gifts. Some of them relate to like the personality of God. That's, that's kind of the motivational gifts. And some of them relate to kind of the power of God. And that's, that's those, those ministry gifts. And, and when I, but I want to talk to you today about not what the Holy Spirit brought to us, but I want to talk to you about what Jesus, gifts that Jesus gave us. Because when the Holy Spirit came, he, he, he actually brought gifts to us when the Holy Spirit came. So, but when Jesus left, he gave us certain gifts to the body. Those gifts are known as office gifts, or some people know them as five-fold ministry. Anybody heard the term five-fold ministry? Okay, so there's these gifts, Holy Spirit gifts. I'm not talking about that right now, manifested motivational ministry. I'm talking about the office gifts, five-fold ministry. Hang on. It, let, let me tell you what the, let me give you a simple thing. Remember this from seminary. Hopefully I can do it. Five-fold ministry gifts, apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, okay? Apostle, actually some people use, it, use a, a hand for an analogy to try to describe it. The apostle is like the strongest finger of the hand. It has the impact on all parts of the body, the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher. It, it affects them all. It's the church planner. It's the, the influencer and overseer of churches. That's, that's kind of the apostle. It's the thumb of fivefold ministry. Then the, the index finger, the pointer finger, that's the prophet. The prophet is like a fourth teller. They, they see things that are coming and they see into things that are affecting you. They, they're the ones that point out sin and point to the future. The, the, the prophet. This is good. You guys getting this? So apostle. Then there's the prophet. Then the middle finger. Don't get any ideas about this right now. But the middle finger is the evangelist. This is the one that stands out in the crowd. This is the person that calls the crowd to come into the church. This is the evangelist. This is the person that pulls people into the body of Christ. They're an equipper if they're doing a good job. Actually, all of these ministers, all of these offices are all equippers. Why they sometimes don't succeed and you don't you see a failure of fivefold ministry is because they're not all understanding. They actually all have the same role, just a different way of doing it. This is way better teaching than you guys realize. So, so the, the middle finger, that's the evangelist, okay? The, 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 the ring finger is the pastor. This is the guy who's married to the church. This is the under-shepherd. This is the person who cares for the sheep. Now, the, the pastor and the teacher sometimes have a dual role. Sometimes the pastor and teacher are the same. But the, the, the pinky that's the particular guy. This is the teacher. This is the one who gets into kind of the, the deeper truths, the researcher that kind of points out, you know, the Bible says, watch your life and doctrine closely. This is the, the teacher does that really good. I'm doing that right now in explaining, as a teacher office, the five-fold ministries to you. These all are the part of the hand, all right? Now, now, now five-fold ministry were Jesus' gifts to the body of Christ. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, and you know it's verse 11. It says, and he, everybody say he. That's referring to Jesus. And he himself gave, what did he do? He gave. He gave some to be apostles. Most people read the scripture and think the greatest point in this whole thing or the greatest person in this whole verse is actually the apostle, but that's not necessarily true. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the what? Equipping. Everybody say equipping. So Jesus gave gifts for the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? Say we are. We are the saints. By, by the way, I'm not operating right now as a saint. I'm operating right now as a pastor teacher, so I'm equipping. But when I do ministry, when I do ministry, I'm a saint. 
We all, as saints, are called to do ministry, but we're equipped by, look at this key word in here. I'll, I'll get through the verse. It says, equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the role of these five-fold ministries, apostle, everybody's tracking with me, prophet, pastor, excuse me, evangelist, pastor, teacher, their role is to equip all, as my wife would say from the South, all y'all. That's good teaching, not great English, okay? All y'all. So it's to, it's to help us do ministry with excellence, a spirit of excellence, to increase our impact and increase our influence. And the Bible says he gave some in all these situations. Not everybody is a pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, etc. Some are. They're gifts. But everybody is a saint, Okay, everybody is a saint. And so Jesus gave these gifts. It's important because this may sound weird to you, but, but I have, and you have gifts, motivational, manifested, ministry gifts. You have gifts, but actually, and don't take this the wrong way, but I am a gift to you according to the scripture. And there's, you, can't, you, can't, you can't turn me back in. You can't redeem me. You can't cash in. You're stuck with me. Okay, so I'm a gift. So a pastor is a gift to the body of Christ. I love this scripture. It makes me feel happy about myself, okay? But similarly, that word always makes me pause, so is an elder to the church. So elder pastor. One is a lay pastor. That's just kind of a Christian term. It just basically seems that they're not, it's not a full-time occupation. They're not paid for it. They're non-paid pastors, okay, to make it simple for you. All right, but some are fun, fun, functionally and fundamentally, you know, compensated and 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 t- cared for by the church in financial area. But both have a similar function. The reason a lot of times the church often stops growing is because it has a misunderstanding about the pastor elder role. It doesn't get what its primary function is, and 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 there have never been a time I think in ministry in the history of this church where you and I need to understand our roles. You know, whenever I do, tonight we have C101. It's our, it's our spiritual family class. It's where people get an orientation, a deeper look at what we're all about, or it's an opportunity. It's a place where you can say, all right, forsaking all others, I'm going to stop shopping and all that. <clears throat> As I begin the new year, I'm going to lock and load. I'm going to create some roots. You know, you will never bear fruit if you don't have roots. Amen. Never. You keep shopping around, you keep web surfing, you keep going to services online, you keep listening to 500 different pastors, you're never going to grow. Never. You heard it here. You need to get rooted somewhere. We want you. Get rooted, okay? So get in to see one. But whenever I'm talking to people in the spiritual family class, there's a point in time, almost every single time, something like this, I'll say, okay, everybody, put your notes down. Look me in the eye. I say something like, I will let you down. I will let you down as your pastor if you think I'm going to do all the ministry. I'm going to be your individual personal pastor. Can't do that in this church if you look to me to meet all your needs. My primary responsibility isn't to meet all your needs. My primary responsibility is to equip you to meet needs, ultimately, to meet needs. Some of you are like, wait a second. And, and, and that's why churches struggle. The reason the church stops growing, especially in New England, is everybody wants to be ministered to instead of being a minister to others. Now, I know you got to come in for a while and get healed and whole. We have, we have structure for that. We have ways that, that it's actually more effective than me trying to do it for everybody. 
And, and the people, the, the lay ministry, you know, sometimes uh, are, are get bogged down and pastors get bogged down because they pick up all that ministry and do it all. And people, that's just not healthy. And I'll explain more about that so you don't get mad at me. But the Bible says as, as pastors, again, we're, that, that, that pastors, elders, they're a gift to you. That's why he gave some for that. And so he wants to do this through saints. So it shouldn't really just be five-fold ministry. It should be six-fold ministry because the sixth fold is saints. Saints, they do ministry. That makes sense? So the short version is saints do ministry and some people equip them as we go forward. Amen? So what's the role of an elder? I have four responsibilities and four charges. There are, in my existing eldership is right here in this front section with their wives, and then I have three new candidates and their wives that are here that we're going to install. So you're going to be introduced to our existing eldership, again, a fresh new this year, and then you're going to be introduced to some new elders that have been kind of interviewed and and, um, and, and challenged and prepared, and God spoke to them and spoke to us as a leadership about them, and we're really excited to, to see them installed. So it's a big day for them. But we simply believe that a saint is a minister, and again, every pastor, every elder is primarily a quipper. And um, you, can, you, you, can, you can get frustrated if you don't understand this reality. In fact, one of the best texts that I see in the scripture to describe how to structure the church to do it right is taken from Exodus at 18, which will be our key text this morning, Jethro was the father-in-law of Moses. Everybody say Moses. And so Moses was basically the first pastor of the first church, okay? Um, and so he had a big church, by the way, like two million people, okay? So the first mega church. Um, and, and basically what he's saying is Jethro encounters Moses doing all the ministry, and he says, what you're doing, Pastor Moses, it ain't good. It's not good at all. Look what he says. He says, chapter 18, verse 17, what you're doing is not good. You, you, Moses, and these people, that sounds like a pastor, <laughs> these people, uh, uh, you and these people, both of you all are going to wear out. You and these people who come to you will, will only wear yourselves out. Interesting that Moses is doing all the ministry, all the people are going to him to be ministered to, and the scripture says that both sides are going to be worn out. Did you guys catch that? I hope you caught that. So in other words, Jethro is saying, it doesn't work like that. You, saints, you pastors, leaders, elders, it doesn't work if you both do it this way. There's a reference later in Numbers chapter 11 where Moses says, I can't carry all these people by myself. This burden is too heavy for me. I'll reference that later. He, he, he thought he was going to die. All right, And the, Bible, the Bible's way of doing church is always better for us. The wrong way of doing church will only wear all of us out. And that's what you see. You see, you go into churches where, where this isn't caught and or taught, and everybody looks exhausted. Nobody's invigorated. Nobody, the vitality of the church is gone because we have a wrong perspective, and we don't understand our roles. Praise the Lord. This is good preaching anyway. In other words, if I'm the only one, I'll just take myself, that can bury people, do funerals, marry people, disciple people, advise people, counsel people, do hospital visits, then I'm going to get worn out. And the Bible says you are too. Is that fleshing it out a little bit for some of y'all? So this is why 90% of churches in America are under 200, believe it or not. Less than 1% are over 1,000. And in, in New England, that's why 90% of the churches in New England are under 45 people. Because everybody is going to one dude say, meet all my needs. And listen, it's easy to get sucked into that. 
I'm just saying that. You know why? Because pastors and elders love people. That's why we do it. That's how we got into it. We love people. So if I'm not careful, and I had to recalibrate a lot of this stuff, I can be, I can be pastoring all y'all personally, trying to meet, talk to people, text people, phone people, meet with people in person, Facebook the entire world. My, my, my son said one time, he said, Dad, you're the best Facebook pastor on the planet. <laughs> I, that wasn't necessarily a compliment, but you know what I'm trying? I'm trying to meet, everybody, meet everybody's needs. It's funny to me, but not necessarily to some of you guys. But that's what Moses was doing. Some people say he had like 1.6 million or to 3 million people at this time, and he was trying to minister to all of them. Obviously, it was the largest church in the world. Some people could say, you know, he had the, you know, he, he, it was probably good for denominational record keeping. Right? Let's just say it that way. Some people say he baptized 2 million people because when the Red Sea came on all the people, it was a form of baptism. So he had some pretty good stats. Baptized two million people all at one time, so he had a really good response. Some people just get people saved, but they don't get them baptized, and the numbers are way different. But he had them all like level, so that was pretty cool. But Jethro comes along and says, "Moses, Moses, that's not your role. You're doing it wrong." So here's the role, guys. Here's the role, elders, pastors. Here's what's up. Here's your job. You guys listen in. This is where you get to listen. Your job is to pray. Here's your first thing: is to pray for people. It seems like so obvious, but yet we obviously are so off on this. Okay, Exodus 18, 19, listen now to my voice and I'll give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties before God. Listen, he doesn't say stand before God and bring what you hear to the people. No, he says you are to stand before God and bring the people's difficulties before God. I don't go to God and go, what? Okay. No, I go, what? Oh, man, that's tough. Oh, I weep with you. Oh, sorry. Hold on. God, you got to. You got to listen to what's going on here. These people are hurting. You got to intervene. Do you understand? It's a flip, but we've got it all wrong. You got to pray for those difficulties and leave them there. You're not supposed to meet all those needs. You're supposed to present all those needs to God. And you're actually modeling that for them to do the same thing because you can't meet all the needs. God's the only all-sufficient one. Amen? Unfortunately, this is one of the things that pastors and elders are least uh, doing the least and you can say, that's terrible. Well, you know why? Because they're not allowed to. And I want to say to you people, let the leaders lead the way God's called them to lead. Let them lead that way. And you'll multiply yourself when you do it this way, guys. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to multiply yourself. And that's something that's the hardest to do sometimes. So your charge, first charge is, you're to go before God before you go before the people. You're to go before God before you go before the people. Number two, here's what, number two is to teach the word. Teach the word. So first one's pray, elders roll, pastors roll, pray, teach the word. Sometimes these things are minimized. Yeah, but who's going to do this and who's going to do that? We'll get to that, all right? But these are the most important roles in, the, in the, the way that God established the church in order for it to be healthy, people not to be worn out. Elders need to be praying and presenting the needs of the people to God. The next thing you need, they need to be teaching the word, Exodus 18, 20. And you shall teach them the statutes and laws and show them the way. Everybody say the way. So you first you show them the way in which they must walk and the work. Everybody say the work they must do. So the first thing we do is we show them the way, then we show them the walk. Okay, they show them the work, let's just say. And many pastors, again, this isn't particularly true of full-time pastors. They spend statistically less than four hours a week in the word. So, so yet, yet people are saying, give me fresh bread every single week. That's a tremendous pressure. And so if the church doesn't, if, if, if as a saint, if, if we don't as saints understand our role, then we'll end up flipping this whole thing and there'll be no fresh bread. 
I don't know if you guys are getting how important this is. Your pastors and your elders need to be spending time in the word, spending time praying and presenting the needs of the people. So, and I'm saying to you guys as elders, you need to get in the word on a regular basis. You need to increase your consumption of God's word because that's what you need to bring to them is God's word. You need to be able to rightly divide, the Bible says, the word of truth. It's, and, 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 you know, and church, don't get mad at the statistic. Be, be a part of the solution. Help them. Notice there are two areas that he mentions. You're to show them the way before you show them the work. That's the charge. Show them the way before you show them the work. The way refers to the inside of a person, the character of a person. The way kind of refers to the ministry of the person. Uh, the, the, the work they're supposed to, excuse me, the work is refers to the ministry of the person. In other words, guys, uh, new, new elders, this, you need to be more interested in how they're doing, not so much what they're doing. So in the church, as you help lead the church, it's, it's not, you know, uh, it's, it's so-and-so show up, what time are they here? Are they 15 minutes early? Well, if they're not, they're late. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of that military side or that business side of us where we, things need to be stracked. We need to do things with excellence. I agree with all that. Absolutely. But let's go to the root. What's going on? He's been showing up four weeks in a row late or didn't even show up. No phone call. What's going on? We need to be concerned about what's underneath the hood. Well, yeah, they've been fighting all the way to work. The wife's not even coming to church anymore. You know, he just lost his job. How do we not know that? We need to be considerate and consider how they're doing. Maybe, there's, maybe there's, he, he's gone from one job to the next. Well, let's, let's get to the root of that problem instead of scolding him about his responsibility on this level. Let's try to, that's where equipping comes in. That's where we pastor people so the problem goes. That's why I'm doing a series under the influence so that we get what's going on inside so it manifests on the outside and change. True and lasting change. Does that make sense? So here's the third thing. Raise up leaders. Here's your next charge, elders. Raise up leaders. Exodus 18.21, select capable men from uh, all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. In other words, this is the way they must walk. And that's just, this whole first part of the verse is dealing with character. They're trustworthy. They fear God. They're not trying to get ahead. They're not, they don't have this, this self-ambition. They have a holy ambition. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Each one of you, new elders, you're in, at present leaders in the church, you're going to have a, a portion of influence. It's going to be different. Some of you, it's 50. Some of you, it's 100. Some of you, it's 1,000. The same thing's for me as a pastor. I, say the same, I think my son's influence will be greater than mine. Just like I, my father would say, my son's influence would be greater than his. That's what he would say. So, so there's, but we all have portions, you know? And so, but you got to lead to the best of your ability by raising up leaders. Is there, there's, there's another New Testament scripture that talks about what Jethro is saying here in the Old Testament, where he's basically saying, of course, pray, teach the word, raise up leaders. This is a familiar thing. If you look at Acts 6, I won't read it all, but in Acts 6, verses 1 through 4, it basically is telling uh, the, the, the apostles are realizing, hey, we're out there doing all this ministry, and now we're not teaching. Now we're, now we're not praying. Now we're not raising up leaders. This is not, the, actually in the New King James, it says this is not desirable. In other words, this isn't the best thing. It's not that we're unwilling to, 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 to uh, take care of the tables and do some, you know, do some of the sweeping and cleaning up and doing all that kind of stuff. Not that we should be unwilling to do those things as elders, but it's not desirable for us to be focused on doing all the ministry and in, in doing all the tasks when we should be busy about praying, teaching, and raising up leaders. 
Does that make sense? So we're not saying we're better than. We're just saying it's not the best thing for us to be doing. As, so and you guys have to understand as a body that as saints, we need to do ministry. But the elders need to be focused on, again, praying, teaching, and raising up leaders. That's kind of the New Testament pattern, but it's also an Old Testament pattern. Instead, and when, you, and when you're caught up doing ministry, elders, you're doing all the ministry, don't just say, I got to get out of this and just kind of drop it. No, that's saying to you, I got to raise up leaders. That's what I, that's, so if there's a void, that means in a vacuum, I need to, I need to do what I'm called to do, and the success is, is succession, stepping out of the ministry, moving somebody in, oh, okay, your influence decreases, stepping back, moving somebody in, release of ministry has always been my reward, the most rewarding thing is not doing it all myself. It's watching other people that God puts in my sphere of influence and pull them into position where they feel fulfilled and love what they're doing and light up and equip and equip and equip. And, I, and to the extent that, that I've gotten better at that as a church and the church has understood its role, we've grown. And, and, and church is healthier. To the extent that we haven't is directly proportionate to my ability to reproduce myself, the church leaders to reproduce themselves, and the church to understand their role. We all have a responsibility in being a healthy, growing church that is reaching and impacting our area. Does that make sense? And so, anyway, if not, the church can get ugly and dysfunctional and pastors get burnt out, and I don't want that to happen to you as elders. It's very common. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 10 and following... Basically, this is the prayer of a burnt-out pastor, <laughs> all right? It says this. It says, Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout, throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. And Moses, Moses was also displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? <laughs> Why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Now, let's just, let's just be real. This is sometimes how an elder or pastor feels. Not me, of course, because you guys are perfect. <laughs> all right? He says, Did I con- listen to how he talks. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? How can I feed all these people? For they weep all over me. Everybody say me. He's personalizing this, okay? They weep all over me. Give us meat that we may eat. You know, feed me, feed me, feed me. That's what the church is saying. That's what the pastors are hearing, and it's creating a problem in the church. And he says, I'm not able to bear all these people alone. You're not supposed to, Moses. He says, because the burden is too heavy for me. Then look at it. He goes back at God now. So he's he's, he's bad-mouthing the people. The people don't get their particular role. And then he says, if you, God... Moses speaking to God, treat me like this. Please kill me here and now. Just take me out. Just, just take me out. I want to get out. I'm done. One out of three statistically will leave the ministry because of the huge burden of ministry of pastors and elders. They leave. One out of three. That's bad odds. At seven years, most pastors quit. It's, it's like in the 80%. 80, that's been going on for, that's a 20-year uh, statistic. 20 years. I'm not kidding. Just quit. You're saying, what? What's going on? You know, early in my ministry, I can remember when my father was talking about releasing the ministry to me, and I thought I was ready. Come on, Dad, give it up. Give it up. What the? Get out of my way. You know, pops, get out of my way. I can remember when he finally, he started letting me preach and do, do, do more of the public side of things. So that encouraged me even more that I thought I was ready because I was doing a good job up here. Catch this. But down in the trenches, I wasn't so ready. 
My son's learning that now. He's going through that. You know, like the first six months, it was like, skip to Maluma, my darling. And the, next, the last six had been like, holy crap. All right? So I can remember being in the shower one time, end of year one, washing. I'm, I'm like praying, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I, I, believe it or not, I was praying. And, uh, and I got my hands like on the wall, and I got the water going down my back like this, and I'm praying, and I'm thanking God. And he goes, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you think you're ready? Yeah, I think I'm ready. He goes, okay, here's the weight of the church right now. This may sound freaky or weird to you, whatever, but I just felt like this tremendous weight come on. And I'm a strong dude, you know? And I felt like I literally was getting crushed. I felt the weight of the church. Paul talks about this in Corinthians. He talks about the hardships he received, all these different things that happened. Some of them are worse than what, forgive, the, this isn't sacrilegious, this, this is just fact. Some of them are worse than what Jesus experienced. And, and he said, he, said, he li- lists all these things in Corinthians and end of it, he says, plus, as if to say, all that's nothing. I have the weight of the churches on me. In other words, there's a weight. See, you have your problems in your sphere of influence. So, so I'm not up here because I'm better. I'm up here because God's given me more responsibility. In other words, with authority always comes responsibility. So if you're going to speak into people's lives, you're going to have a lot more responsibility. You know what comes with responsibility? Wait. All the elders are like, thanks a lot. They're <laughs> really excited about this role, okay? So what I'm saying to you is there's a weight with this ministry. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to lift up our arms. That's why we need the church to know its role. Come on, people. I hope you're catching this, to understand what your role is, and the people need to understand what their role is. So Paul said, after listening to all these difficulties, besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. How is it pressure? Because you have to hear the burdens of the people, divorces and sickness and conflict and addictions and job loss and abuse and you name it. What a great message for the beginning of the year, Pastor. I just, I want to be straight up. It's constant. It is constant. Never stop. 24-7. I, as soon as we were offline for seven days, no data, no web, no nothing. It was awesome. I never realized. I never realized it. We turned on our phones in Miami from airplane mode to data. You should have heard my phone. It literally was like singing Dixie. My kids were like, what is going on? It's blowing. I thought it was going to blow up. It was elevated. Came off the ground. Just floating in the air. That's how it's pressure. That's why pastors need to pray. Elders, you need to pray. You need to teach the word. You need to raise up leaders. Church, come on, let's help them do their job. Let's, let's do our role, which is ministry. Let's get healthy so we can do ministry together as a church. So this is what I want to do. So here's your, here's your charge, guys. You are called to take care of the people spiritually, not physically. Spiritually, not physically. Numbers eleven sixteen says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people. And all officers over them, bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. There I will come down and talk with you. I will take the spirit that is upon you, Moses, and I'll put the same spirit on them, leaders, and they shall, what? Bear the burden of the people. In other words, there's going to be a spiritual anointing that comes on you as elders. The same thing that, in, when I, year one, when God said, okay, you think you're ready for it? Here you go. Boosh. While he put that weight on me, he also gave me a spiritual backbone and muscle that I hadn't had before, simultaneously. It's like, okay, all right, that's what it feels like. Holy cow, all right, Uh, squat that baby. You know, it it was, you getting this? That's the biggest squat I ever had in my life right there in that shower. 
all right? <laughs> then I will come down. What has happened? You're going to stand there. The same spirit that's on the leader and on the existing eldership now is going to come on you. And, and I'll, then God's going to come down and talk with you there. And I'll take the spirit that is upon you and put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. So he's saying appoint people. What? What does that mean? Who you know. That's what the scripture says. It's not a vote. It's people you know. That they may stand with you. In other words, what does that mean? Let them do it with you. You don't do it by yourself. Get them doing it. We need more leaders who, who understand the role that they have. And then it says in this text, clearly, get them in the presence of God. In the presence of God. So here's what I want to do. I want to I call my, my uh, existing, uh, my new elders up first, okay? So I'm going to have Michael and Liz come up. Michael Dudley, would you just give a hand clap as they come up? And I just want you to turn and face. This is Michael and Liz. I don't, I don't have time to do all this, but I, personally, I, I say this privately. I said this to him, I think, recently, uh, but uh, I think Michael's the fastest-growing Christian I've ever met, Amen. literally, because when they first got married, Liz should have been the elder, <laughs> and I was like, how in the heck is he going to lead her, but he's, he is the leader of his house, so I'm so proud of him. Ray and Camilla Lirio, would you come up as well? This is Ray and Camilla. Come stand over a little closer, if you don't mind. Come over here. Aren't they beautiful? They take this role very, very seriously. Rodrigo and Larissa Evangelista, would you come up as well? At the, at the end of service, some, probably a lot of you guys know Rod, but Larissa is very, Rod's everywhere, so you probably see him all over the place. Um, Larissa is very um, revelatory, if that makes sense. Like, she gets insights from some very... Some very profound things from God. She sees things that a lot of people don't see. It's amazing. So I'm very proud of, of all these. They've, they've gone through uh, a certain amount of scrutiny and, more importantly, testing. We test leaders before they serve in this capacity um, and take this role very, very seriously. I want to introduce my existing eldership and then, and then um, two uh, kind of founding fathers of our church as well to come. And what we're going to do is we're going to have the existing eldership and lay leadership of our church sometimes referred to as the presbytery, come and pray over our existing leaders. And we're going to ask God to do what we just read in Numbers chapter 11, that, that God would speak and, and that there would be a transfer of anointing that's on our existing eldership to our new eldership and their wives. Does that make sense to everybody out there? All right, so I'm just going to call them up. Steve and Nicole, uh, I'm just going to have um, the, the all couples come. Uh, Brian Barnes and Don Barnes come. Uh, Brian and Lynn Jamos, would you come now? Chuck and Sharon Lowe, would you come now? Um, Jane, would you come now as well? Jane's husband couldn't be here. Gary, he's another one of our elders. Herman and Gretchen Fuller, uh, would you come now? Pastor Ernie Fry, the founder of our church, would you come now? Charlie Legassi, Pastor Charlie and Joan Legassi, would you come right now? And you guys can kind of, the existing elders, you can step kind of around. First of all, you know what? Face them for a second. I just want you guys to see who the uh, leadership of our church, the, these are the equippers of our church. Not that the directors of ministries aren't equippers. If you have people under you, you are still an equipper. But these are, these in a spiritual context, these are, these are the pastors of your church. You need to know who they are. You don't need to just go to me, all right? You don't just go to Ray. You don't just go to Camilla, okay? But you can go to all these people for, for, for equipping. Like, what do I do? I need, I need counsel. I need, to, I need to know what my ministry is. I need Point me in the right direction. Pray for me about, they, they have uh, their role and the specificity of their role. I'm actually gonna have a little write-up for you next week in Guest Central so you're really clear on what the role of an elder is. But for the sake of time, this is more about them. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not gonna do that this 
in particular this morning, okay? But here's your existing leadership. Can you guys give them a big hand? I just want you to see who they are. <laughs> Pastor Deej, sorry. Pastor Deej and Sarah and my wife, would you come too? Obviously, you guys know Pastor Deej is full-time and, and kind of my right hand in ministry. Um, and his wife, Sarah, Jassar, some people call her Jassar. We call her Sarah, you know, the American version, so we kind of keep it American. Uh, so I want you guys just to know who these people are. And, 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 and they're just incredible. Some of them have particular strengths and emphasis. All of them are functional. So in other words, all of these people are serving in ministry right now. So they're, they're active. So they're not just up here just telling everybody what to do. They serve. In fact, it's hard for them to be right here right now because they all have responsibility and capacities that they serve in, okay? Now, the existing eldership, if you just would come around, and do I have a microphone that I can grab? Just come around them, like face them. Um, thank you. And I'm just going to um, turn it over to my elders. If you guys get a word and you want, you want to speak something, you guys can kind of just listen in for a second. Um, we're going to just take a few minutes on this. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll put a mic around you if you, if you get something, okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can extend your hands if you want towards them. If you get tired, you can switch hands. If... <laughs> this is important. This is where we believe there's a transfer that happens from leaders, from one leader to another, people who are functional. We're asking God's spirit to be upon them. This is where I got that backbone and that spiritual muscle to be able to carry the weight of the church. And this is a big deal to them. Thank you, Lord. Go for it, guys, if you got something. Thank you, Jesus. Are being elevated for humility like you've never known. You are being lifted up and at times may feel as though you've been abandoned. But that lifted up place will cause you to need relationship with me greater than ever before because you are becoming an emissary. You're becoming a representative greater than you have known yourself to be heretofore. Jesus. For that reason, you're being elevated to humility. Don't be surprised when things face you that seem unfair to you or the life that sometimes seems unfair builds the greatest spiritual muscle that you will ever need as I use you from time to time and on. Jesus, Save the Lord. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to uh, say to the new elders that um, you've been given this new role the Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be expected, and much will be, much will be asked. And this is a role that comes with new responsibility. The Bible also says that you should um, serve others with all the gifts that you are given. So in your new role, you should you need to focus on God's people. That's your greatest responsibility in this role. And you need to serve them, serve them with all the gifts that God has given yes. you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
know that many of you in here are, or all of you are very young, um, but just I've watched Brian as he has stepped into the elder world this past year, and it is amazing to me how God has more than met him. So as Pastor Ernie was saying about humility, just just show up with humility and allow God to flow through you in every opportunity that is put before you because there are going to be so many more opportunities. And so don't feel like you, it's about you. It's not about you. It's about presenting the people to God. And he is the one that is going to do the work. But you have to be the representative. You have to be the vessel. And the more that you show up with humility and just remembering to love the people and to present them to God, it is incredible what is going to happen in our body and the people who are desperately hurting. God can just partner with you to just to bless them, to help them grow, and to walk in in what they were called to do. So don't don't feel overwhelmed or like you're not enough. None of us are enough. But God is more than enough. And so all you have to do is represent speak to the wives and for you to know that you were called to this also that yes your husband is the head and he may have the title of elder but God has equipped you and your role is so vital to his success because you're one God doesn't see just him he sees both of you you're one And he has given you the ability to be an able minister of the gospel. So walk forth with that and watch what God does with you. As I was praying about this young group and the leadership the pastor has selected, I was reminded that, that God does not look at spiritual maturity in a chronological way. He looks at the heart, the circumcised heart. And as I was thinking about each individual, I'm so blessed to serve around. I just, I'm so thankful that God has circumcised their heart in a way that's made them special and unique in the vessel in which he uses. I was was reading in Peter, in in 2 Peter, when Peter's talking to uh, the young faith, the young believers, the new disciples of Christ, he talks about all the things that they're going to go through, all the virtue and the perseverance and the discipline and the leading to virtue and ultimately leading up to the brotherly love and kindness. And then he goes on to say that, I mean, you guys, have, you're all there. You all have, you're in this position because of that, because you focused in on that area. But he goes on to say that don't just sit back and, and be thankful that you're there, but to keep pushing on because that's where fruitfulness will come from. And you're going to need that as you lead up 
and develop and mentor the leadership that will be underneath your tutelage, you're going to need that. So don't sit back. Continue to press. Continue to press in. Continue to look inside yourself. Uh, wives, continue to look inside your husband. I, I, I pray that you'll have wisdom that will come before the fall, will come before Satan tries to take the grips on, on whatever it is, that pressure, that weight that they're feeling. And you'll be able to lift them up and be that support, those pedestals at which they are propped up upon, Lord, so they can be the leaders that they've been put in the position to be. So, Father, continue to lift them and carry them and be that structure and support around them. Praise your holy name. Pastor Teach. I'm so grateful for the ministry that we have, for the church that we have, for the diversity of people represented in this church. We have people from many different countries, myself included. And it's just so awesome to see people being able to be used and grow and be equipped in their giftings from all over the world, from people from Brazil, people from all over the world. We have a strong Brazilian population here in church. And it's just so good to see uh, people being able to, again, just be used and be elevated to a different place of responsibility within the body of the church. And I want to encourage all of you guys that are um, in the church right now to, to get involved. There is uh, space for people to work and to, to be developed and to really get in the game and make a huge impact for God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. And for the elders, I, especially for the new elders, I want to encourage you to, to really get on the ground and get running and get going. We have a huge responsibility. Again, we, our church is not 50 or 100 people. We have a big church to pastor. And we need to all be doing the pastoring. pastoring and we all need to be doing the equipping. So we need to be equipping everybody to do the work of the ministry. Amen. This is a, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult responsibility. It's heavy at times, but it's so, so rewarding. I promise you, it's so rewarding, and I'm so excited for you guys. And I pray against any traps of the enemy. Yes. Because I know that the enemy is going to be getting up and, and, and trying to set every possible trap and, and, and try to snare you in every possible way that he can. So I pray against that in the name of Jesus. I pray for wisdom. I pray for clarity. I pray for courage and the anointing of the Lord to be upon your lives. For you to be able to receive it and understand it and operate in it. And I also pray for priorities to be uh, realigned as, as we go forward. And that's something that always needs to be realigned in your lives. God comes first. Your family comes next. And everything else comes after. Everything else comes after because I know that the enemy, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God comes to give life, life to the full. And he is, the, the, the enemy will try to take you down. But take heart. Take heart and keep pushing forward. Keep pressing forward. And I know, I know that all of us are going to be overcomers. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I just keep touching them. In Jesus' name, I pray the same spirit that's on my eldership, that's on the leadership of this church, that's on myself and on pastor 
In Jesus' name, I pray for a transfer of anointing right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, agree with me. A transfer of anointing. Carry the weight. The same day, he said, okay, son, you want the weight? I'm going to give it to you right now. Simultaneously, he gave me the strength, the spiritual muscle to begin to carry the weight. I pray in Jesus' name that you give each one, Rodrigo and Lottie, Camilla and Ray, in Jesus' name, and Liz and Mike, the muscle, the spiritual muscle they need to carry the weight of the church. They are appointed, yes, but they are anointed right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen, 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 amen. Real quick, one more thing from Pastor. Hallelujah. While you're still here at the front, I have one more thing that I believe the Lord spoke to my heart. It has to do with, I'll use the term, spiritual competition. And as the years have passed, it's amazed me, wonderfully amazed me, not irritably amazed me, the, the, the preponderance of spiritual gifting that has come upon women. And what I have observed, sadly, in numbers of instances is that that is an opportunity for the enemy to create some sort of competition between the two. I think the husband as the head should take great care on this, but, it, but it's important that the wife listen uh, now as well. That you not allow the gift that you have to be used of the enemy to divide the two of you. Remember the order of authority supersedes the manifestation of the gift. Otherwise, it can destroy a marriage, confuse people that observe you in how you live and behave with one another. My wife, <laughs> uh, she'll be here in the next service. She's so beautiful. And, uh, and, and, but she is very strong. Very, very, very smart. Very gifted. I could have never made it in the corporate world or in the ministry without her. But when you, when you have two gifted people, and that gifting is not just something they made up in their flesh. I mean, these are gifts that came from God. That's a, that's a, that's a serious thing to offend him by misusing the gifting that he had and then he's given us and then bring us together as a couple. Amen. Just a warning Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, all the leaders know, just face me real quick, and then we're going to close. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, First of all, for the church, I just want to say, don't look to these people to be perfect. These are not perfect people, okay? If you, this is not a perfect church. Can I have an amen? amen? If you want a perfect church, go someplace else, and then it won't be a perfect church anymore. Okay? So you guys, like, somebody like, oh, wait a second. He just slapped me. So... Don't look at that respect. They're real, though. I'm encouraging you to be very real and very open. You know, we have problems. Our, our, we have problems in our marriage at times. We, have pro- we try to be discreet and open about those kind of things, problems in our family sometimes. But, but my last charge, and I'm going to talk to the men specifically, you know, and to all, all the leaders, just remember, you know, is to be a good husband and be a good father. Be a good mother. Be good mothers to your children. You all have children. That's part of the reason you were selected. In some respects, it's not, a, it's not an absolute, but it's a strong point that we make because of the Bible, what the Bible has to say about that. But you know, Moses, his whole family missed his ministry. They missed it all. They missed it. You, look, you can read all about it on your own. 
And, and at one point, uh, Zipporah, his wife, you know, didn't handle it well in how she said it. She had a real bad attitude and she confronted Moses. And some people can look at that like that was real bad. Well, I think he didn't do a good job equipping her and discipling her. And he needed to pastor his wife first. So instead of looking at that and saying, well, she shouldn't have said it like that. And I was very dishonest. And that's true. It wasn't good how she said what she said. But basically, she basically came to him and just said, you're going to go out there and you're going to preach salvation. In the Old Testament, it's called circumcision. That was the Old Testament version of a New Testament thing, salvation. You're going to go out there and you're going to preach salvation. And he, he, he cut the, she cut the foreskin off of one of her sons and threw it on the ground and said, you're, you're a man of blood. You, it basically meant you don't practice what you preach at home and you're going out there and you're doing all that. And so I think that, and I've said this to you all privately, that the success, let's just say, or the impact and influence you have is less about affluence and talent and all that kind of stuff, but it's, does it work between Lottie and Rodrigo? Does it work between Camilla and Ray? Is it working with Mike and Liz? Like, that's what people are looking for, you know? Is it, work, are you, are you, is it work at home? Does it work in your marriage? So be careful not to teach anything publicly that you are not teaching at home. And, and doing your best to live at home. Doesn't mean you gotta be perfect, but that's, that's one of my charts. And then my final chart six is from, and, and we're way over time, but here's, here's it. Second Timothy says, for this reason, Paul speaking to Timothy, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, which you just received. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, which you do not have in Jesus' name, amen? but a spirit of love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord. No longer be ashamed to testify about God. Then Paul says, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. This will sound self-serving, but I think it's essential to the success and health of a church. Don't be ashamed of me either. Your final charge is to stand up for God, but also stand up for your pastor. One of the, one of the best leaders I have that I can think of just looking at him makes me emotional, but Deej never has a bad word to say about his pastor. Ever. Ever. And, and you want to have a healthy church, you, you bow up for God and you bow up for your leader. And people, people will follow that. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's give them all a big hand. Come on. Turn around, guys. You can face them all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.